Our scripture passage for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 14 through 17. I invite you to read along with me, or if you would like to just allow the words to uh, flow over you, to hear them anew if we're able to. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. We're going to talk a little bit more about the context in just a minute, but let us together listen for the word of the Lord. Paul says, but how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Please join me as we pray. God, we are grateful that we are your people. We are grateful that you have spoken to us that you continue to speak to us as you have spoken to your church throughout the generations, calling us, beckoning to us, equipping us, and sending us out. We ask, Lord, that in these moments, we might be people who listen intently for your voice, even though it comes to us through all of our imperfections, through words that are misspoken, through ears that mishear, through distractions that cloud our minds and our hearts, through worries that weigh on our shoulders. Lord, we pray that all the same we might hear your truth, that we might see your face, that we might know you better today than we did yesterday. Please speak to us and help us to know you, to be transformed by your good news, that we might in turn go out as good news to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here at San Marino Community Church, let me take a sip of water first, shall I? I'm trying to do too many things at once. That lack of sleep is uh, not helping me. How about you? Here at San Marino Community Church, we started off our new year by considering together how each of us are being called by God to be representatives of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And we did that by looking at stories in scripture of people who had also been called by God out of a variety of contexts and circumstances. We saw how God called murderers and orphans, how God called shepherds and kings, how God called people even as they suffered, how God called people even when there was nothing extraordinary about them at all. And we started off our year talking about how God calls us for a specific reason. We had plans behind that. Because we here at SMCC believe that every member, every regular attender, every person who sets foot on our facility and every person outside of our facility is called to participate in God's kingdom here on earth. Even though we as people can be really, really good at offering excuses and reasons, often very good excuses and good reasons, as to why God would never be calling us, 
saying that maybe we are too tired or saying that we are too busy, saying that actually we don't know how to do that so we can't be called there or saying, you know what, we've already done it all. It's someone else's turn. We have really good excuses, but we see through these scriptures that we went over the last few weeks that all of our excuses don't hold any water in God's eyes. If we deny that we are being called, then we are being willfully ignorant. If we refuse to accept our call, then we are being willfully disobedient. So we here at SMCC believe in the instruction of both the scripture and the spirit. We believe that every person is called by God to serve in ministry by participating in the kingdom. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now that being said, accepting that we are being called as individuals is only the half of it. Because as Presbyterians who are reformed in our theology and our faith, we understand that the church is not the sanctuary. The church is not our facility. We know that the church is not our budget. The church is not our programs. We know as reformed Christians that the church is us. The church is the people. You and me and the people across the courtyard in Fellowship Hall, and those people who stayed at home because they were tired or they didn't reset their clocks, those who are worshiping in sanctuaries all over the world, all of us together as the people, we are the church. Which means that in order to respond fully to our calling, we must not only accept our calling by God as individuals, we must also accept our calling by God to be a united body of faith. We must not only accept that God calls each of us as unique children, we must also accept that God calls us to work together toward the same unified end. And so, over the next six weeks of Lent, which are the six weeks before Easter, where traditionally Christians practice confession and increased disciplines, over the next six weeks, we are going to be taking a look at the six great ends of the church, the six great purposes of the church. Those are the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind, the shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship of the children of God, the maintenance of divine worship, the preservation of the truth, the promotion of social righteousness, and the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. Those are what we're talking about over the next six weeks, which means that today we are taking on the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind. Just a light little subject. We won't be here long. Don't worry. Because let's be honest, my friends, this is actually a tricky one to start with, the proclamation of the gospel. Presbyterians, because on one hand, we do proclamation very, very well. And on the other hand, we really, really struggle with it. On the one hand, we as Presbyterians are known for placing a high value on education and on knowledge and on it being proclaimed. We put a lot of resources 
into training our preachers and our teachers, our directors and our pastors. And we do that because historically, as Presbyterians, we really like learning. In part, that's why we got that nickname that we did. Does anyone know, ever hear that nickname for us? The Frozen, I'm sorry, the Frozen Chosen? Yeah? The first, that frozen part of that moniker that was given to us was given to us because we sit so still in our worship services. And we sit still because we place a high value on being attentive to the liturgy, to the sermon, to the prayers. My friends, as Presbyterians, we pay attention when we are being proclaimed to, and we are really good at it, too good at it. That's where we do proclamation really well. But that's also the place where we struggle with proclamation because we tend to outsource the responsibility of proclaiming to our preachers and our teachers and our missionaries. As Presbyterians, we are not known for knocking on doors or for handing out tracts or for carrying our Bibles with us in public or even for carrying our Bibles into church. For many Presbyterians, particularly those who have Midwestern roots, we are a people who hold our faith as personal and as private. And because of that... We're not the most practiced at proclaiming. By definition, proclaiming is saying something in public, particularly something that is important. And that makes proclaiming our faith really difficult because we don't tend to share publicly the things that we see as being private. Now, in our scripture for this morning, Paul had some different circumstances than we do today, but we can see from our passage that he too was in a community that was really wrestling with sharing their understanding of Christ in public ways and in public ways that were effective. The passage that we read for today is right in the middle of a subset of chapters that exists within the book of Romans, chapters 9 through 11. And in this subset, and particularly in this passage that we have here for today, Paul is openly perplexed and frustrated He is frustrated with why so many of his fellow Jews have not, as he puts it, submitted to God's righteousness, which is to say, in other words, that he's wondering aloud why his fellow Jews have not come to believe in Jesus as the Christ. So he spends these two chapters thinking about it and ruminating on it. Right before our scripture passage for today, Paul says this, He says, the scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on the one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him and how are they to proclaim unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news faith comes from what is heard 
So Paul is using his rhetoric here to drive home a really simple but significant point, which is this. Proclamation begets faith. Proclamation begets faith. Sitting frozen on what we believe, in our understanding of faith, it does not foster faith in the people around us, but also we know that it does not foster our own belief either. I have a friend. Her name is Mandy Drury. We went to seminary together. She went on to get her PhD from Princeton Seminary. Mandy comes from the Wesleyan tradition, and she has always had a passion for youth. In particular, Mandy has a passion for developing faith in young people. She spent years as a youth pastor before she went back to research, doing original research, on how we could better develop faith within the youngest members of our congregations. And you know what she found out? She found that saying is believing. Saying is believing. What she found as she researched was that those youth who were practiced in sharing their testimony, the kids who were used to speaking their story of faith and sharing the most important parts of their faith with the people around them, those were the ones who developed a deeper, more lasting, more meaningful faith relationship within themselves. The more they shared, the more they believed. But it took speaking it aloud for them to believe it within. You see, my friends, Mandy's research, it's not exclusive to teens. It turns out that that's just how we work as humans. That what we speak aloud is what we believe within. And so this first great end of the church, proclaiming the gospel for salvation of humankind, it's not only a practice that's intended for a few, for preachers and teachers and missionaries, it's a practice that is intended for all of us. Even though many of us were taught to hold our faith privately, we are called by Paul and we are called by Jesus himself to proclaim our faith in Jesus Christ publicly, to make disciples of all nations, to declare good news to the poor, to, as we often are taught as preachers, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. We might be inclined to excuse ourselves from the task, but if we do, we are not only harming those who would benefit from hearing good news in their lives, because we all know people who need to hear good news. We are also harming ourselves, robbing ourselves of deepening our belief by never speaking it aloud. My friends, we are called to be toward the same purpose of sharing and proclaiming good news. It doesn't have to be from a pulpit. It doesn't have to be from a soapbox. 
It doesn't have to be with a Bible in your hand. It doesn't have to be out of the scriptures. It just has to be from your soul to share the good news, to proclaim that Jesus has done something for you too. May we all together commit ourselves to an end, to the purpose of being a people who proclaim in word, action, and deed. Amen.